Welcome to the Dry Ground Project podcast. Our goal is to create a global community of professionals caring for young adults aged out of orphanages and foster care. That's what we do. I'm your host, Callie. And I'm your co-host, Amanda. Welcome to the Dry Ground Project podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to the Dry Ground Project podcast. Today we have a guest. This is very exciting, Amanda. Yes, it's our first guest on the podcast. First recorded guest. First recorded, yeah. I'm not sure the order of podcast episode release, but we'll see how it goes. But today we're recording with our very first guest, so we're happy to have her here with us. And her name is Natalia. She's a Christian counselor. So today we're going to be talking about all things counseling because we believe this is an important resource for the people that we work with, right? Yes. (laughs) Nothing more to say. (laughs) No, I think this is a really um, good point that we we are paraprofessionals and we work with our youth on, on healing and trauma and mental health all the time, but it's not enough to just have one aspect of your life working towards healing. We believe that you can do this in multiple ways and areas of care. And so, um, yeah, professional support with paraprofessional support with good communities is all beneficial to our youth. Yes, we are a team. And today, the team member that we're talking to is, like I said, Natalia. Will you introduce yourself for our audience, please? All right. Um, Thank you for inviting. It's uh, for me an honor. And now I feel very responsible, you know, being the first, you know, we will see how it will go. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, yeah, as uh, girls said, I'm Natalia Olejewska, Christian counselor. I live in Riga, Latvia. Graduated from Covenant Theological Seminary with Masters of Arts in Counseling in 2013 in St. Louis. I also completed a two-year program in advanced psychodynamic psychotherapy at the St. Louis Psychoanalytic Institute. <laughs> There's lots of words like psycho, oh my gosh, in 2017. So I cur- currently work as a Christian counselor. So this is me. Nice. I didn't realize you studied in Missouri. I went to the University of Missouri in Columbia, Missouri, so about two hours away from St. Louis. All right. Yeah. Day-to-day, you're counseling who? Everyone, the general population? Tell us about just your your day-to-day life, I guess, and work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be um, general population. You know, even though I position myself as a Christian counselor, I noticed people from different backgrounds come and wanna learn about spirituality, about themselves, about the relationship they have, problem in them. So it's, um, I'm open for everybody, let's say. Um, I even had people who would come, well, I know Jesus, but I don't wanna talk about him. So it's a different, yeah, just it's a variety of people, yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, and you also specifically work with youth from Lighthouse Transitional Care, which is the organization that Amanda founded. Um, do you want to talk about how you guys met and got connected and started sending the youth that we work with to Natalia? Yeah, I was actually, I reached out to Natalia because I found her online because she was the only person that comes up when you look for a, a Christian counselor in Riga. And for some of our youth, that aspect of spirituality in their mental health journey is really, really important. And it was for me on my own uh, journey. And so to be able to have a counselor that understands 
how to interact with this this side of yourself uh, was really important. So I found Natalia that way, and then we met for coffee, and it just uh, clicked, and she was just so sweet and and nice to talk with. And um, so then she's she's worked with a few of our youth, several uh, five, yeah, five five of our youth um, over the the span of five years of our organization. So what's it like working with young adults from orphanages? Hmm. Well, um, be honest, I would would want, no, I would not want, let's say, to define it, to bring this line between us and them, us, mm-hmm. you know, healthy and all together, and them who are needy and lost. So I don't think it would be right. So we all, I understand, um, fall in a span between borderlines and neurotics, neurotics and narcissists. So we are somewhere in the middle. And this is why I wouldn't want to put tags on, on people. So um, yeah, so yeah, this is where I'm staying with, with this um, uh, question. And also for, it's common for all of us, this longing to belong and for the families. There's the biggest need for everyone. Um, this is how humanity works, right? And the biggest fear is to be rejected. So we all have common issues. Mm-hmm. And to some degrees, we all have these mental issues. Not always we feel like this world is a wonderful and safe place. So maternal abandonment, inconsistency, and as a result, inability to bond, neglect, infant, infant trauma, does not help here of course so um yeah so those are some of the bigger issues that you see working with these right right these kinds of people (laughs) any kind of any kind of people who hurt yeah definitely i like that you brought that up because i feel like what we do a lot of is trying to advocate to others for our youth to try to make them less of a, a them right you know we have issues with landlords not wanting to rent apartments and nurses with their biases and we we come across this so many times and I think that that's a good language shift of like there's yes there are differences but they're not that big you know and we talk a lot about our own issues all the time in our office uh, to make it less of a an oddity that that something's off you know so I really like that point yeah definitely and I I think I've so far have been open on this podcast already and I'm definitely open day-to-day with our youth, I tell them that I see a clinical psychiatrist weekly for traditional talk therapy, and that helps me immensely. So that, again, is kind of trying to blur the lines, I guess, or just make them feel more comfortable and remind them that I don't have it all together, and I'm not perfect, and I've experienced some form of trauma, maybe not, you know, being in an growing up in an institution, but something. Why is your work important? And when I wrote this question down, I said important for the youth that we work with, but maybe just important for everyone, because now we're talking about everyone needing this kind of care. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we all wired uh, for connection. And we are all given um, this login, as I um, mentioned, in our hearts and our souls to be known and to know others. So we need to learn how to communicate to others. This is why the therapy place could be um, could be a moment when person could experience, develop, um, and um, test uh, test the 
the, their quality of being in relationships. So these are life um, important skills. The therapy could be a, a challenge because it requires one-on-one -on -one conversation to build a connection and trust. So for that, there is a freedom to be self without judgment and advice um, of what to do, actually strong advice what to do. So the changes can be done in the context of relationship because the trauma got um, in the context of relationship. Um, the interesting fact is well, we have lots of books, literature, articles about, you know, self-care, about um, self-development. Um, so um, these books is a knowledge that stays in the heads. But what happened in the heart, you get only with the experience. So this is the place for the therapy. It's experience, not the books, not the knowledge. Mm -hmm. So um, mm, worse to mention, you know, the people are facing long life mental illness unlike they have a relationship, at least one relationship in their lives. So that's the even the, the statistic that comes out of a lot of um, former foster youth that have shared and, and spoken is like I had one person that was showing me how to do relationships and, and really like walking through those things with me and that's what they will all say is was really helpful for, for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and on this podcast we've talked a lot about attachment therapy and about building trust and I think I have thought of that before, but it's hitting me now how important it is for you as a counselor to be able to build trust with a client, whoever it is coming into your office, but especially with people who have trouble forming healthy attachment. So you must be really good at that. What's your secret? <laughs> um, well, we need to understand that psychotherapy not for everybody mm -hmm. and the psychotherapist not for everybody that's it that's true and um what about attachment so to whom you go would you go if there is a hurt this about attachment some are coming with good intention but they got disappointed just because it takes time it requires patience you know and re repeatedly like consistency rhythm so um, attachment could be a hinder here um, yeah it's I don't know what's happening uh, between me and a client but I believe the sincerity and not to have this differentiation I don't know what else I, I don't know yeah maybe this is um, my story is well you know, wired there. I don't know. Yeah, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, so do you think every young adult who's aging out of the orphan care system could benefit from counseling? Mm. Theoretically, but it has to be long-term. It has to be long-term. It's a lot of work. Um, imagine, you know, from the point zero, there is no attachment created, not only security. So, um, yeah. Yes, long-term. We talk about this, I, we have talked about this a lot. You know, the work is too important to quit early. And we ask our volunteers and we ask our staff to be ready and engaged for like the long-term. And I, I myself think in the span of 10 years uh, because that's what our, our youth need and I remember our very first student went to you and after a year of really intense support and care from us and from you and from others um, you sat me down and you said she needs an attachment figure 
you have to become this. And I, I at the mo- at that moment, was like, oh man, I don't know if I if I want to do that. And uh, have since worked really hard to to form that right with her. And uh, I did see huge, huge strides mm-hmm. for her uh, after that. And I remember listening to you and just being like, man. I, I said I was in it for the long haul, but I needed someone else to remind me that I was in it for the long haul at that point. And you, you did that, and it was really something special mm. once we yeah. got there. Mm. Natalia, what sort of mental health challenges do you see specifically in youth coming out of care? Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say there's, again, we just talked about uh, we all have this comment um, issues, but there is something that um, I would um, point out: um, the defensiveness. Um, we all learn to protect ourselves. This world I mentioned, you know, not the safe place for people mm-hmm. at some point. So we all learning uh, how to deal with the obstacles in life. We can get manipulative. We can get street smart. We can get really defensive. Underneath of all this, there are f- lots of fear. There is insecurity and self-hatred, resentment. So there are lots of them. So this, this is what I need to mind. Uh, so we're dealing with them, with the really tender, tender soul that are really fearful. So Something that I know I've shared with my youth because I, you know, we see that guardedness and that need to protect themselves a, a lot. And I remind them because they'll come to me and they're like, you know, really ashamed that they have this behavior. And I want to remind them and sometimes even myself, like I'm, I'm defensive here because I feel vulnerable and that keeps me safe. And so all of the skills that you learned in a life before coming to the lighthouse or coming into a family where mm-hmm. they, they kept you safe and you have to kind of say thank you to that defense mechanism. Uh, it may not serve you now, but it did at one point. And, you know, to almost be thankful for having that system in place to protect yourself. Right. Um, the the elementary skills, like I, n- I have a person who didn't know how to read a clock, like not the numbers, but the clock. Like people are having a problem t- if time of time management and money management. The other thing is that um, the creative part is undeveloped, uh, unfortunately. Then... Um, there is a need to learn to, to be free to just be, um, also to take initiative. So th- those are things that I would uh, notice. Yeah, it's interesting that you brought up creativity. I've heard that when our stress response, I guess, is activated, it's impossible for our brain to be creative. Is that true? Right. So a uh, creative part is uh, developing. Well, we, when the trauma appeared, so the um, connection between right and left lobe um, disconnected. So that's a problem. And creative part also uh, developed when there is a freedom. But people coming from the system, everything provided, you know, this is breakfast, this is lunch, you don't have and you need to do this and that. It's all given. It's like a like a little soldiers over there, you know, and uh, and there is no space for creative part, and uh, unfortunately. Yeah, I've heard a, a quote out of the Karen Purvis Institute of Child Development that, you know, play disarms fear, and play is a very creative and free thing, and to play you have to feel safe, uh, and so we play a lot 
in our office and even ourselves. Like we just we love to play, but that gives us a, a space for that creativity, mm-hmm. like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking of like traditional forms of creativity, like drawing or painting or music. Um, that's something we haven't necessarily explored, and but we're planning on looking into in the fall. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. Right. The main point is to take away the fear because people um, cannot uh, um, to have two strong emo- emotions at the same time. When you're fearful, you can think proper. There is no creativity. There is no joy. Fear is stealing all this. So the most important, take away fear. So you accept it. Everything is right. Everything, okay, you are fine. So this is the main uh, thing to like to approach. Do you see people who are too scared to talk to you or too defensive? Um, This is kind of going back to that question of can everyone benefit from therapy? Mm -hmm. Because now that I'm thinking about how I would answer that question, I've seen youth who just aren't ready. So is that your experience? Correct. Not everybody ready. So maybe later on, but not now. It's definitely. And you can you can hit the wall, but there is nothing is happening there. So there has to be time. It takes time. This is why I'm selling like telling long term. So it has to be longer. But at the same time, you cannot push. These people can be pushed for way too long. So they need more freedom to uh, to develop. That takes a lot of patience. <laughs> The first season of the Dry Ground Project podcast is sponsored by Lighthouse Transitional Care, a Christ-focused nonprofit organization in Riga, Latvia, working with young adults aged out of the orphan care system. Consider supporting the Lighthouse and learn more at lighthouselatvia.org. So we've talked about our need to work with professionals like Natalia, but maybe you can tell us um, yourself the importance of paraprofessionals like us, organizations coming alongside mm-hmm. youth who have experienced hard things, Church. how, churches, how can we help you do your work? Um, okay. Um. Or how can we all work together with youth from hard places to help them heal? Right. So we have to differentiate again here. So one thing, you know, we are doing, actually doing. The other thing is what is intention? What is in our hearts? You know, why we are doing what we're doing? And here uh, to be substantial is totally enough for churches, organizations, professionals, and whatever, like others. So how does it work? Relating to a substance. This is we, we're substance. We are not imaginary or illusory. We are real people. We are true people here. So it's important and essential in their minds, being for so long, you know, my mother, my father, you know, so now there is a real person, flesh and blood, right? So we are ample to satisfy and nourish we are full of substantial meal. So we have to understand, talking to these young people, we have to understand we are already enough. So, and then we are doing whatever we're doing, playing, eating together, you know, going shopping, whatever, so. That's a good message for our volunteers, I think, because so many people are intimidated by these people who are hurting so deeply, but they're enough, they can do it, yeah. 
Is there anything you wish the general population knew about your work with this population or with the general population? This is question. Good question. <laughs> okay. Um, our clients is the other people bring up our own issues. Uh, I also ask in myself, you know, what emotion, thoughts this person provoke in me? And I'm learning about myself a lot. So there might be a need to confess, and there might be a need to change my way of thinking, of understanding. I think we all, as people on this surface, need to understand, oh, okay, this is my uh, idea. I'm not uh, preaching now. So we all like drops in the ocean. We're so interconnected. So we are um, in making impact on each other. So we have to remember that. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that that was something that surprised me about my work was how much my own buttons were being pushed and how much self-reflection I needed to do and plan for because, uh, you know, I had some, some youth that were skipping school and I didn't realize how performative and perfectionist I was about attendance and about being on time and like almost militaristic <laughs> in my approach to this. And it was very important to me. But then I would see this person that was hurting and anxious and worried and stressed about school. And I was prioritizing my own ideals and ideology on this instead of looking compassionately and saying, they're struggling. Like if I was struggling, I wouldn't go either. And I had to do a lot of like my own reframing on the situation to, to get myself okay with, <laughs> with putting out, with getting rid of these expectations. Uh, and so I think that that's such an important thing for all of us to know and look at graciously and kindly that, you know, our, our things get triggered, but we're, we're the substan the substance, right? That, that person in the relationship that's, that's there and present. And so we need to address our own things so that we can do that for the long term. And we can always apologize when we make those mistakes. I think that's huge. I love to be apologized too. I love to offer forgiveness. The apology, I noticed in the counseling uh, process makes such a huge difference. When when people um, put you on a pedestal, okay, you have this name, it's Christian counselor, right? Oh my gosh, you know, what is this? People fearful. But when you come and say, oh, I'm sorry, last time I pushed this and I, I tell that, and I'm so sorry, it just make it, it just turn around everything, you know? So it just make this uh, trust. So you're asking me how I make it? Like apologizing, yeah, yeah this is it. I love this stuff. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, <laughs> I was thinking, like, uh, when you were talking about uh, not pushing people because they are not ready, and, and then what is the approach that you take with someone that you see that clearly is hurting, but you can also, like, they're not ready for this. Right. Is there something that we can do to make the journey easier for them to get to this place where right. they are ready for therapy. Because mm. I see this not only here, but like with yeah. friends of mine that like, oh, I would never trust a therapist to tell all my secrets. And I was like, mm. but for me, it's like, I am like fully ready. Like <laughs> I've been there, done that. And like, how? But Help me. Help, and then please. for me, I just want to grab them, shove them inside <laughs> the office, <laughs> lock, and just like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah that's a good question.
So um, lots of listening, listening and listening. Um, many times, yeah, it, I don't know, you work with these young people, you probably noticed sometimes they talk from one theme to another and don't even need you to put any words to interrupt them. It reminds me like it's a baby crying or toddler crying, you know, and let them just cry till they got sick crying. And then they start thinking, oh my gosh, I'm tired crying. I need to do something about it. So they need to bring themselves. And this is their learning process. Okay, I'm growing now. But they need the mirror. They need somebody to be with them. So that's that's the secret. So just let them be and be with them. Um, another thing is, if we, if you keep in mind, you know, I want to help this person, we are losing the person. When we think, oh, I need to do something, that means I'm focusing on myself, how I'm performing, how I'm doing. But the person needs just to, to be um, with somebody, you know, next to. That's it. You know, you don't have to think about it. So you just be present there that's that's the secret i love that i love that that imagery and that um just the the way you phrase it of like you know we're going back to these needs that were so early on and it's enough to just be with somebody and i think that that's a really powerful message that for those that are intimidated to get involved with this type of work like you can just be there um i've seen in different organizations and, and things online that, you know, people debate whether or not we should make uh, counseling mandatory in organizations like what we do or whether or not we should make it optional. Um, we have chosen to make it optional, uh, and now I can really stand by that choice, I think, because um, it, it does have to be them, and it does have to be when they're ready, and it does need to be when, when they're in a place where they can receive and and look at themselves in that mirror, like you say. So simple. <laughs> Who knew all we needed to do was be with someone? <laughs> the whole podcast can end now. <laughs> but then now I'm thinking about us because as caregivers who aren't professional counselors, sometimes it's a lot to hear the crying every day. So can you say anything about how caregivers should care for themselves or how they can find care? I assume the answer is we need counseling too. <laughs> <laughs> Go to counseling and cry to your therapist <laughs> until you're done crying, I guess. Yeah, um, it, it's a good question. Uh, I believe we need to, all of us, we need to understand what gives us energy, what brings us uh, to a point we can give. You know, we can not give out of empty glass, right? We need to have full glass, and then we are outflowing, you know, out of it. So this is how it works. Um, this is my example. You know, last, uh, this this spring, actually, um, in February, I noticed that I started crying with my clients. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is not good. You know, I need to do something about it. This is a sign for me. I know that I need to take care of myself. I need to walk. I need to go to a swimming pool. I need to do something. Okay, I bought a tour. I went to uh, to the lake, you know, in, in Hungary. So I spent a week there. I came back. I feel like full glass. So I can give more. So everybody needs to know about learning with these kind of things, you know, what is giving me energy? What can I give? So I want to give the best of what I have. So this is my responsibility to get myself well. So you're not crying anymore? 
still a little bit. <laughs> I can I can confess here that I have definitely called Natalia crying on the phone about something. So so you know I and she reminded me then like this is probably a sign that you need to take a step back. So yeah, having friends around that are are that are ready to remind you like hey, you know. You sat on the floor of your office all day yesterday doing literally nothing. Maybe you should take a break. Uh, it's good to have those friends. Yeah. And also, you can always call me. Yeah, please do. You know, whatever you feel like. Yeah. So, yeah. The last question is, um, can you tell us about successes uh -huh. or um, what hope there is in doing this work? Mm -hmm. It's uh, different for everyone. Again, everyone is unique. So for some, it would be an ability to to remain in the relationship. For some, it it would be simply, you know, to show up at the right time in the right place. For some, uh, to recognize the needs and not run from the help, but search for the help. So it's different. Um, and also, uh, take responsibilities of the choices and the consequences. So I think that would be kind of a success. I think sometimes when we talk about success, it helps us to, like we talked about earlier, to remove our own expectations and to maybe in some cases lower the bar or just change our, our attitudes about it. Yeah. Right. Maybe minimize expectations. Just be, you know, and, and to see how this flower started blooming, you know, at, at some point. Yeah. And I think working with young adults so much of what we want to do is watch these young adults become who they are, right? And if we come in with our expectations and our um, biases and, and uh, preferences, then we can get in the way of who they are as people. And we don't want to do that, right? We want to see them become the fullness of who they are. And so I think that like not even minimizing the expectations, but like looking at them as who they are right now and in this moment and and watching them climb those expectations uh, one step at a time is really um, important. Well, I have something else. Um, maybe this is what we, we were talking about all these, um, you know, what we do with um, the young adults and so. And I think the most important what we do is the you are important. They receive this message, you know, you are important. Whatever you think, whatever you feel, whatever, whatever you say, it's important. So um, you're not a part of the system. You are very unique, you know, made in God's image. And uh, you have your qualities and there's a purpose for you and you have dignity. So I think this would be the main message we, between lines, what we're doing for these young people would be crucial for, um, for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that is a part of the work um, that we do. Like I'm, that, that image of the crying is so powerful for me, like listening to the baby cry, and I'm specifically thinking about one of our youth who cries a lot. Um, but at the end of crying, no, it's not you. <laughs> at the end of crying, um, you're right. It's We can't even respond to everything she's saying because it goes so fast and the thoughts just flow out. But then at the end, there can be that message of like, wow, thanks for sharing that with me. I really loved hearing what's on your mind because you're important. Yeah. Yeah, and I think 
one thing that I taught this youth to do a while ago was, you know, if someone's telling you that they that they like you and whatever, you can ask why. And and I love that she does it now because then I can I have a very intentional time to say because you're so creative and you're so thoughtful and you're so like ready to to laugh together and and I can tell her why I I like being with her and those types of praises I think they fill my soul I love <laughs> hearing good words about myself uh, and I know that they fill hers as well and uh, it's sweet to have the opportunity to speak that kind of identity over someone who's never had it yeah <laughs> so thanks for being here with us today. We um, really appreciate this. This was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. And we hope our listeners enjoyed it and um, learned something or found something to hold on to, go back to. And that's all for now. We're going to wrap it up and see you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. The Dry Ground Project is hosted and produced by us, Callie Newton and Amanda Bannister. Music and production support by Aaron Newton. Sound production and design by Jonathan Nevis. Find us online at thedrygroundproject.org, on Instagram at thedrygroundproject, and on Twitter at drygroundproj. See you next time.